Welcome to The Yarn, a school library journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. Today on the show, Jonathan Oxier talks about his middle grade novel Sweep, the story of a girl and her monster. I sat down with Mr. Oxier last November in Houston, Texas during NCTE's annual conference. I actually interviewed him the day before Sweep was chosen as the 2019 Charlotte Huck Award winner. Congratulations, Jonathan. I think you're going to love listening to Jonathan talk about his writing process, why he writes for kids, and his hope for this beautiful book. Take it away, Jonathan. I started writing books for kids a little bit later than a lot of people. Um, I was always a storyteller. Um, I wanted to be an artist. My mother's a painter, um, so I thought I was going to be an illustrator. I, I loved picture books. I also loved comics and stuff like that. And then I, I hit this wall where I realized I wasn't that great of an artist, and I needed some other ways to tell all the stories that were inside me. And uh, so for I realized writing was it, and I wasn't a big reader, so I had to teach myself how to read. Um, and then for me, the the best way into writing, and it's something I believe in passionately for almost every creative field. Uh, the the way in for me was theater. Um, theater is so collaborative, and it's so stretching because, uh, as any playwright will tell you, you have to know a little bit uh, about how to direct and how to act. You can't just purely do your one craft. You always have to be able to speak the language of other people. And often, in small, scrappy theater situations, you have to wear several of those hats. And so it makes sense that actors end up writing some scenes <laughs> and monologues that end up turning into plays, that end up be turning into, you know, one-person shows, uh, because they've been kind of in the background of their mind being writers all along, and, and vice versa. And, and so theater was a way for me to teach myself how to write, see stuff up on its feet quickly, hear my own words spoken back to me. And so I, I felt like I was able to do a lot of learning really quickly um, about what it means to tell a story that actually resonates with people, rather than just write my precious little words on paper that are just for me. And that was a big gift because by the time I started actually writing a story, I had a sense that I would be writing for someone and that I, and I already had trained my mind to think about what it's going to mean to them and how it's going to impact them, which at least in, in, to my thinking is one of the hardest battles for a lot of writers who are so caught up in their own head and their own ambition that they forget that, this is, that art is about uh, communicating and connecting. The question of why I wrote for kids is tricky. Uh, one way I could look at my life, uh, I didn't start writing for kids until I was uh, like 30. I'd been writing all sorts of different things for a while. But I could also look at my life a different way and realize that, uh, and see that I had been only writing for kids my whole life. And that was why um, <laughs> that, was, that was why I landed here is because it, it was the path I've been walking on the whole time. So as a, as a little kid, I, I wanted to be the next Shel Silverstein, and I have reams and reams of uh, <clears throat> brilliant uh, poems um, <laughs> that, are, that I wrote when I was eight and nine. Um, and then I wanted to write picture books, and then I wanted to write comics. And even when I started writing older things, I was trying to write plays and screenplays and all of these things, they always had this pretty... Uh, unabashed childlike sensibility, uh, which was hard because I, I thought I was trying to write things for adults and people often were telling me, oh, this feels like it should be animated and things like that. And uh, and also concurrently, I was a huge reader of kids' books. Um, I came of age right before Harry Potter really hit. 
so it was a weird time to be a, a adolescent or adult lover of children's books but i was i was this hulking six foot four kid uh, shambling around the children's book section, <laughs> looking at new picture books and things like that. Um, those are things I loved and carried with me into adulthood. And really, at the end of the day, um, the thing that I was lacking was permission. Um, I loved children's stories and children's books so much um, that I, I was afraid to let myself start writing them because they were such a, a special and magical thing in my own life. And when I was finally able to let go of that and realize that all of the training and learning I'd been doing about how to tell stories was really in preparation to tell the sorts of stories I wanted to read, um, everything clicked in. But I was a little late to get the message in some ways. Sweep is uh, the story of a girl and her monster. Um, it's, I guess, technically a historical fantasy. It's set in the world of 19th century chimney sweeps. Um, what a lot of people don't know, what I didn't know, is that chimney sweeps aren't like what you see in Mary Poppins. They're not happy and cheerful. It was actually a, a brutal and really dangerous job. And uh, more horrifying still, uh, it was not done by adults. For hundreds of years, adults couldn't fit inside these little chimneys, and so they had to use children. Um, and they would get them the smaller the better, and they would start as young as three years old, and the work was brutal and dangerous. Life expectancy was five years, which means if you started young, you wouldn't live to see the end of your childhood. And, um, and I fell down kind of a, a research hole discovering all this horrifying true history about it, um, and as I was reading, the story started to emerge, um, which is Sweep. Sweep is the book of this um, 11-year-old girl named Nan Sparrow. Um, she is tough, she is smart, and she uh, is most importantly very lucky. She might be one of the best uh, chimney sweeps who've, who's ever lived. Um, but Nan gets stuck inside a chimney, which happened all the time to these kids, and not just stuck, but it was a, it's a chimney that's on fire, um, which also would happen. And uh, this is kind of the setup, the beginning of the story. Um, basically, as she's uh, in, stuck in this burning chimney, she screams for help in the darkness and then a miracle. Um, the next thing that happens, she wakes up in this dusty old attic in a place she's never been. She's somehow still alive and she's not alone because huddled in the corner there is this uh, creature. Um, it's unlike anything she's ever seen. Its body is dark and crumbling. It's actually made out of ashes and soot and it was born inside that chimney. Um, and this creature is, a, is, is something from mythology called a golem. And, uh, and this creature becomes Nan's friend. And this is the story of a girl and a, her monster and how she and this, this monster basically um, rescue one another and then go out and rescue other kids that are just like her. This was a really challenging book to write. All books are challenging in their own ways. Um, this had a lot of different uh, strands that were, that were difficult to juggle. The first was um, just the the sheer depth and breadth of the historical research. Uh, I wrote Sweep over the course of about 10 years, um, and I've written books that are vaguely set in other historical times, um, but this book, because it's set in a specific year in London during a specific moment in history, I just found my character couldn't cross the street without me having to research for eight hours about what that street sounded like and what the stones were made. Weird fun fact, certain fancy streets in London were paved with wood, because it wasn't as noisy under carriages, <laughs> um, which is hard for me to imagine now. So the research was very difficult. Um, with that, because I was researching such a dark moment in history, uh, I wanted to write a very light book. My, my, my touchstone for this book 
were things like Frog and Toad and Charlotte's Web, which are really beautiful sort of life-giving stories, even if there's a dark undercurrent to something like Charlotte. Um, and I found it was very difficult to balance the the reality and the gravity of the, of the the situation of this girl Nan in uh, as a chimney sweep with what I ultimately did want to be a, a really magical and sort of wonder-filled story about her and this creature building this friendship and that uh, sort of tonally was uh, just a, an enormous challenge and part of the reason I think the book took so long um, because I, I didn't want to ignore the darkness but I also didn't want to let the darkness win because um, I, I recently heard uh, Kate DiCamillo quote Catherine Patterson um, in saying that children's authors are duty-bound to end their stories in hope. And um, I'd never heard that before, but it was something that resonated with me tremendously. Um, I wanted this to be a book about hope, and finding the hope in a bleak situation uh, was really hard to do, but also necessary. That's hard to do in 2018 as well, but necessary. So I've been writing full-time for a while, um, so I have a pretty boring day, <laughs> which is exactly how I like it. Uh, I'm very um, obsessed with my morning ritual of doing the New York Times crossword. I'm not terribly good at it, but I still do it every morning. I work in a co-working space that's actually filled with other uh, writers and publishers and editors and agents, and we all kind of, we don't chat a lot. We're all kind of introverted when we're working but it's nice to know that that I have colleagues nearby Um, my goal is to write for about five hours a day Um, I am someone I'm an extraordinarily slow producer and a fast writer Uh, what I mean by that is uh, I can type quickly and as you can hear right now words can spill out of me rather quickly but it actually takes me quite a while to know what I think. So my average writing day, and this was the case with Sweep for about 10 years, um, you know, off and on as I was working on it, I would spend about five hours and I would write maybe two or 3,000 words uh, for the story. And at the end of the day, I would just uh, select all and delete. Um, and then the next morning, I would start over. Um, because you know when it's right. Um, and more importantly, I know when it's wrong. And I can only imagine that I probably I probably wrote about a thousand pages of the book before I had my first five pages um and I wish I were faster it's a terrible way to work it takes me a long long time uh but at least with some stories and specifically a story like sweep which really sort of sat pretty heavily on my heart as one I needed to really honor I did not want to um I did not want to barter away the significance of the story uh, for my own convenience. Um, so I part of the reason this book took so long is because I let it take this long. Um, I wanted to write it. I wanted it to be actually my second book, which would have meant it came out seven years ago. <laughs> and But I, I knew I, for this one story, I was not going to finish it until I had really fully uncovered and understood what it was. Um, and so... I I like being slow, uh, even if my readers don't. (laughs) Every writer always has other books in the drawer they're always working on. Um, And even as I wrote this book over 10 years, I would take a break for six months and switch to to one thing or another. But I am, uh, again, extraordinarily slow to really 
pull a thing together and, and know what I want to say and need to say. And so this is my fourth book. And with the exception of one book, which I wrote at the lightning pace of three years, uh, the rest have taken anywhere between seven and ten years uh, to have come together. And it's wild when I look back at the early drafts and see what I thought the story was and how far it veers in the process. Um, all that being said, and this is a, a tricky, I'm in a tricky place with this book, Sweep. Um, I put so much into this book of myself that I can't shake this weird feeling and I don't want this to happen. But if I, you know, crossed the street right after talking to you now <laughs> and got hit by a car, that would be very sad. I don't want that to happen. Uh, but as a writer, I would be at peace because I don't have a lot more to say than um, what I've said in Sweep, frankly. And I'm just trying to be a curious, open mind as a writer and paying attention to the world until some new things come. Uh, but I don't want to just speak or tell a story to fill the air. I'm, I'm always trying to wait for something that I've been sort of gifted or tasked with to say, and Sweep has it all. So I'm in a weird crossroads right now where I, I don't have a lot of stories in the drawer. Um, uh, and... Uh, in some ways, that's liberating because I don't really <laughs> have—I don't have something hounding me. Uh, but it's also terrifying because it means whatever I write next is really going to be me sort of groping through the dark and finding a story um, in real time, rather than meditating and, and and distilling something over years and years of thought and consideration. And maybe that's just what I need as a writer, uh, but it's still terrifying. I think every writer has twin hopes when they write a story and one and one hope is always kind of crazy and ego-driven and selfish and I certainly have that because I'm a crazy ego-driven selfish person at times um and the second hope is a little more tender and vulnerable and it's certainly the one that is dominant when I think of sweep um the affection and closeness I feel toward Nan and Charlie which is what she names this this creature in the story is tremendous. I've known these characters longer than I've known my own children, um, and they really have lived inside me in a really full way. And I think the only thing I want, and I think this is universal to almost any writer, is that this thing that they poured themselves into is not forgotten. Um, it's less that it becomes some kind of stellar success or does all of these things, but it want, we want it to live. And that can be hard because amazing books are forgotten all the time. Um, and we see that around us in books that I adored, that I thought were just life-changing and, and just so intimidatingly perfect, uh, are discussed for a few weeks, and then they kind of fade away. And once in a while, a book sticks around. And I've been lucky to have a couple books, early in my career at least, that have stuck around in a nice way. Um, and, and I've definitely learned that that is far more rewarding in the long run than any kind of nice big buzz or, or, you know, a little sales bump or all of these things, which are wonderful and necessary. But all I really want is um, 10 years from now, uh, a story like this to still be in print and every once in a while find a reader who really needs it. Um, and that would be uh, kind of more than I could hope for. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Yarn. Thank you, Jonathan Oxier, for your time and your drive to make important books for kids. Thank you to my co-host, Travis Yonker, for helping me produce this episode. Travis is actually my first grade niece's school librarian. I was talking to her during Christmas break, and she told me that she was Travis's best friend. 
Thanks for being a great friend, Travis. Thank you to Philip Stead for creating our theme song. Additional music for this episode comes from Kai Engel via the Free Music Archive. If you have an idea for a season or episode of The Yarn, shoot us an email, theyarnpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Colby Sharp. Thanks for listening.